It's really good to be here. I'm always grateful for the opportunity to come home, and I'm always convinced when I walk up the stairs and I see that little sign that says, Welcome Home, that it's just there for me. I know it's not, but that's what I think. So humor me just for a minute. How are you? Are you okay? Good. I am one of those preachers that like a little bit of a response, so, you know, feel free just to like, oh, yay, it's good. I had the um, utter privilege just three weeks ago, actually, of going to London and speaking at an Assemblies of God church in Lee, which actually is a real black majority Pentecostal church, and they were noisy. So I was in my element, because our Folkestone church, they're a bit quiet. They seriously are a bit quiet, and so um, I'm forever on a Sunday going, are you with me? Are you hearing me? And, um, and whereas th- three weeks ago in London, it was just like, I only had to go high, and they were like, you know, climbing the walls. But anyway, so, so <laughs> that's great. I like a little bit of response. Thank you for inviting me, and it, it's just, it's a real privilege to be here. And I, yeah, hi from Folkestone. Thank you, those of you that pray for us. I know that there's quite a few of you here in this church that are just so faithful in praying for us and the work there, and we just would ask you to keep praying. Um, but, but things are going well, and God's blessing us and helping us, which is fantastic. If you've got your Bible, would you just turn uh, to Colossians chapter 1? I'm delighted that at the moment, Stuart told me that you're on a series looking at, I think it was called an empowered life or, or empowered by the Spirit. Is that right? Am I getting that right? Um, and, and actually, when he emailed that through to me, I was like, thank you, God. That's brilliant. Um, because actually, that's exactly the line that over the last few weeks, especially since um, Pentecost Sunday, which of course was three weeks ago, Personally, myself, I've been re-looking at Acts and just sharing some things along that line. And so I was just, um, yeah, I was just really pleased when Stuart said that that was the theme that you guys are on at the minute. I'm not going to preach from this chapter in Colossians. In a minute, we're going to turn to Acts. But I just want to start by just just this simple challenge, really. The first chapter of Colossians is great. If you haven't read it for a while, I'd encourage you to read it. It's just full of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It reminds us of the gospel and and how it changes lives, transforms us. As well in that chapter, Paul starts describing Jesus, and it's just a great chapter. Right at the end of that chapter, Paul says these words in verse 28 and 29. He basically says this, this is why I do what I do. It's because of the gospel and the way that it's transformed my life and what it's doing across the world. This is why I labor and strive. That's what I think it says in the NIV. Um, This is why I do what I do. But then he says this, depending on Christ's mighty power at work within me or depending on Christ's strength that is at work within me. Do you know what, church? We need to be the kind of community who know why we do what we do and on whose power we depend If we don't know why we do what we do, then quite honestly, all that we're doing is just duty and religion. And there's too many people like that in the world. There's too many people that don't understand the reason why they do what they do. And as a result of that, they get worn down and worn out. I hope that's not you this morning, but I know that I've had seasons in my life where I've been worn down and worn out. Am I the only one? I don't. I doubt it. And the reason that we get to that place of being worn down and worn out is when we've lost sight of the reason why we do what we do. And I want to start this morning by reminding you of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've already heard it this morning. I love the course that, of course sounds a bit too official, but, but what Giles is doing at the moment, come and tell your story 
I've got a T-shirt that I brought at a Watoto uh, Ugandan children's choir concert, and it literally just says, this is my story. Friends, we've got to get better at knowing the power of our story, and our story is Jesus Christ, him and him alone. And Paul says, this is what I give my life to. It's why I labor and strive. He, he, he said, look, this isn't a picnic in the park. This, this, isn't, this isn't a doddle. I've got to tell you that serving Jesus will cost you. Ain't that the truth? But Paul says, it's okay. I labor and strive for this reason, but I do it depending on God's strength and his mighty power at work within me. And so I want to come along at this time when you're talking about being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And, and I want to just share some thoughts that I pray will help you. I'm not a teacher, so this morning won't be a teaching session, but I'm just going to throw out some thoughts, and I'm just going to trust God that actually some of them will just land in your heart and that they'll help all of us to understand that everything we do is because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Isn't Jesus just great? Like, he comes to us and he says, follow me, and then he goes, don't worry, I'll help you. Do you know, that's the difference between what we do and religion. He says, come follow me, and, and rather than us going, oh, how in the world am I going to do that? He goes, it's all right, don't panic, I'll do it. I'll do the work in you, and it'll become possible. I mean, that just blows my mind. That, that's what being a Christian is. You follow me, and now I'll help you. That's what it is. Every single day, you need to wake up in the morning and go, Jesus, what are we doing today? Come on, Jesus, where are we going today? What's happening today on this adventure? And as soon as you start to doubt yourself, then, then get over yourself and get onto Jesus again. Because it was never about you anyway. The weaker you are, the better. If in the morning you feel rubbish, you know, I have many days when I wake up and feel rubbish, look in the mirror and go, it's going to be a great day. Because it's not by my power, it's by his power at work within me. The question is, are you available? Are you available? And so I love the fact that this journey, this walk, this, this discipleship that we're all on is about us going, yes, Jesus, I'll follow you. And he goes, great, I'll now help you. I'll make it possible. You can't do it on your own. Have you discovered that? Have you ever tried? I bet you have. It's impossible. So this morning, I'm going to throw out a few thoughts that I just pray will help us all. So now turn to Acts, if you've got a Bible, Acts chapter 2. And I know that you've been looking at these verses in Acts I listened last week to the sermon that Stuart brought, and I, it was great. If you weren't in church last Sunday, go onto your website and listen to it, because Stuart just talked to you about the importance of the family of God. He talked to you about the importance of the fact that we've all got something to bring. It's interesting, as I was listening to it, yes, that was another one of my journeys to Somerset, by the way. I listened to a lot of preaching uh, yesterday. And, and, and I was smiling because literally just three weeks ago, uh, or four weeks ago now, I preached a very similar sermon to our church in Folkestone. And I basically had at the front a big table. And I talked about the fact that when we have a bring and share lunch, everyone comes and puts on the table their contribution and that's what the body of Christ should be like. It shouldn't be. So many of us come to the table hiding our contribution behind our back. It's almost like we're a bit ashamed or we're checking out what everyone else has brought before we put our salad on the table. Or, or we're coming all insecure and we're thinking, oh, actually, no, nobody's going to want to eat my rubbish rice, whatever I've brought, or my pasta this, or my bag of crisps. I don't know what it is. And we need to walk with confidence to the table and go, come on, this is what God's given me. This is my contribution. Because if you don't put your salad on the table, we're all going to starve. We need need everyone to come and bring their part to the table. So that was a great sermon last week. And this whole thing about the Holy Spirit gives us gifts and, and he equips us and empowers us to do his work. 
Acts chapter 2. Let me just read a few verses. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. I've got three thoughts that I want to share with you today. Here's the first one. I think we need to take note that they were all together in one place out of obedience. All together in one place. It doesn't say they were all together all over the place. It says they were all together in one place. And I want to, as a start to this message, say to you, don't underestimate the power of being together in one place. Don't ask me to explain it to you because I can't. I just know that something happens when God's people gather together in one place. Haven't we experienced that this morning? And I want to encourage you and remind you this morning, I I don't know what your commitment level is like, but I'm here today to give you a nudge and to say, don't neglect meeting together because there's something so powerful and supernatural and just something divine takes place when God's people gather together in one place. So often we come up with all of our excuses and and, and I I kind of find myself reading this passage and going, Carl, what happened if anyone missed out that day? What happened if somebody phoned in sick? You know, what, what happened if somebody just went, oh, I can't be bothered to show up now? But no, they were all together in one place. But here's the thing, they were all together in one place out of obedience. I want to just think about this for a few moments. Because I wonder how many times we're, we're all together or how many times we're doing things and actually we're just doing it because it's what we've always done or we're just doing it because it's what everyone else is doing and we're not actually doing it out of obedience to what Jesus has told us. See, so often we read this passage in Acts and I think we skip over these first few verses and we just get to all the, the exciting stuff. I remember years ago, I must have been 18 or 19 years ago, going to what was then an, an, an Assemblies of God regional day. And, 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 and I can remember listening to a great preacher, a great man of God that had served in London for many years. And he was preaching on this very passage. And I can remember as, as a young girl feeling so fired up as I began to think about the thousands that were saved that day. I can remember leaving that venue and driving back home and thinking, oh God, when's it going to happen And I can remember just feeling so stirred up about the the miracles and the incredible work of the Holy Spirit and just in these first few chapters that you read in Acts. I mean, it's crazy. Seriously, go away and read just the first few chapters of Acts. It's incredible what's going on. In fact, sometimes I read it and I'm kind of like, oh, it just blows my mind. But so often I think we jump to that stuff and we skip this first little bit that tells us how it all began in the first place. And it all began because a bunch of people were obedient to what Jesus said. Everything you read in Acts was not because the disciples sat down once Jesus went to heaven and had a strategy meeting. How are we going to grow this thing called church? It didn't happen because they all got together and had a conference and planned it all out their way. They didn't come up with a five-year plan. Oh, we can be so good at that kind of stuff. They just obeyed what Jesus said. 
What's the last thing Jesus told you to do? I mean, he's, the book is full of everything he says. Let's get that bit right. Come on. Come on. I'm passionate. Wherever I go preaching, let's not move away from what this book says. Come on. Somebody needs to say I'm into that. So, so seriously, whatever Jesus says in here, let's do it. But I'm talking about those nudgings of the Holy Spirit. And you know, some of you here, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you sitting here right now, you know Jesus has been asking you to do something. For ages you've been going, ah, oh, I just, just don't think I can. And you've been coming up with all the excuses and come on. If you're, if you're going to get into everything that this new series is about, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, it starts with obedience. It starts with you saying, Jesus, I'm going to do what you say, even if it defies logic, it doesn't make sense, nobody else is doing it, I'm going to obey you and do what you tell me to do. See, Jesus said to the disciples, we see it in Acts chapter 1, if you want to look at it with me, Acts 1, he says this in verse 4 and 5, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. Do not leave Jerusalem. See, we read this in Acts, and we, we, we kind of don't think about it. But actually, I wonder what a struggle it was for them to remain there. They didn't even know what... He didn't even tell them what to expect, did he? They didn't have a clue. We read it, and we know, but they didn't know. But they still obeyed. So often we come to God with, we want all the answers, we, we want to know, we want it all planned out. And he just says, will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you stay and do the thing that I've told you to do? You see, the way I see this chapter in Acts is that what happened on the day of Pentecost was God's business. Their business was obedience. <laughs> And so often we try and make the work of the Holy Spirit our business and God says, no, that's my business. What I do and when I do it and how I do it is my business. Your business is obedience. They were gathered together in one place, but they were gathered there completely out of obedience. I wonder if on the day when they saw Jesus go to heaven, I mean, can you just imagine what that was like? I can't. <laughs> You know, what do you do when that's just happened? Anyone for a cup of tea? You know, what, what do you do? Like, right, boys, what are we doing now then? I mean, just, just imagine it, seriously. Sometimes you need to allow your imagination to go to these places and just kind of just think about it. They were as human as we are. And, and well, what did he tell us to do? He told us to wait. Well, what does that look like? I don't know. Do you know? I don't know. I mean, so that happens. I wonder if in the midst of that conversation, somebody said, well, do you remember the last time that we were told to do what he said? It was Mary that time, and, and Mary said, whatever he says to you, do it. Well, that turned out all right, didn't it? Plenty of wine that day. Let's, um, come on. <laughs> I don't know, I'm just guessing. I'm just trying to wonder what their conversation was. All I know is this, is that they'd been with Jesus long enough to know that if he said something, it was worth trusting. Friends, I'm here to tell you that if Jesus tells you to do something, you can trust him. I tell you that with all my heart, even if it doesn't make sense and the answer doesn't come immediately. Even if, if, if it just defies logic, if Jesus tells you to do it, just do it. Whatever he says to you, do it. This whole 
book of Acts begins with Luke's description that they were all together in one place. And they were all together out of obedience. And friends, I'm here to tell you that the empowering of the Holy Spirit in your life will come as you're obedient. I think sometimes we get so obsessed with the empowering part. And there's a danger that, that while you're learning at the moment all about the work of the Holy Spirit, and that is brilliant, but there's a danger that you can get so caught up waiting for it, worrying about it, analysing it, strategizing over it. What's this going to look like? You know, I don't know. I think maybe in a couple of weeks, Stuart's going to talk a little bit more about the gifts of the Spirit and, and what that's like. That's brilliant. You need to know all of that. But sometimes we can get so caught up on trying to work it all out ourselves. And actually, all Jesus says is, be obedient to me. And as you're obedient, to me I will fill you with my spirit and I will empower you but just start being obedient to me and do the things that I tell you to do the next thing that the next thought that I just want to share with you this morning is this Acts 2 <laughs> it's just, I'm going to just read what I put in my notes Acts 2 tells us that something happened when the Holy Spirit empowers you, there's no denying it. Something happens. It's tangible. It's visible. People notice it. When the Holy Spirit fills your life, something happens. But here's my note of caution. Please don't trip yourself up over the details. Please don't get yourself so tangled up in the details of what happens and miss that just something happens. Let me tell you what I mean by that. See, in Luke chapter 2, it's only a small word, but it really caught my attention just in the last couple of weeks. This is what Luke says. Look at verse 3 with me. Actually, verse 2. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on them. What word am I emphasizing? It's this word like. And as I read this just a couple of weeks ago, I just began to feel the Lord say to me, we get so caught up on the details. Actually, Luke in his writings here is just going, it, it looked like, it sounded like. You know, I, I grew up thinking, and, and listen, let's face the reality, none of us were there. So actually, we don't know, do we? Okay, so let's not think that we know it all. But, but you know, how many of us grew up in Sunday school drawing the pictures of the people with the flames above their head and, and drawing the windstorm or acting it out or whatever we did? And, and, and uh, listen, that probably did all happen, but Luke just says it was like this. He doesn't say, this actually happened. He just says, it was like. And I think actually what Luke is trying to say to us is something was happening. Something amazing was happening. Now, don't, please don't hear me wrong and don't say that I'm not saying that didn't happen. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that sometimes we trip ourselves up over descriptions and over accuracy. And we're actually all that God wants us to know is, do you know, when I show up, something happens. And I think so often we miss the point. I've been in church so long and I've been in so many meetings where things like this are discussed. And I think that we trip ourselves up over detail. And God says, forget the detail. Leave the detail to me. I know you best. And all I want you to know is that when I show up, something happens. 
Something happens. Do you know, I wonder if in this place we've not seen the work of God because we've expected it to be one thing and it's looked like something else. I just wonder. I just wonder if it's happening all around us and we're just not seeing it because we're expecting one thing and actually God's saying, I'm doing it in this way. I just wonder if actually the prayer on our hearts today needs to be, God, open my eyes to see what you're doing, not to come with my expectations. The start of January, we set aside, a lot of churches have a week of prayer. I know that you guys do the same. But we just really felt, just because of the season that we're in at the moment as a church, that we should have three months of just praying. So we did that. From January to Easter, we kind of scaled down a lot of our other program stuff, and we just called the church to pray. And we had some amazing times. But I'm going to be honest with you. I went into that prayer season with my expectations of, this is what's going to happen. I did that. We, that's kind of normal. That is kind of what you would do. God, this is what I'm expecting to happen. You see, if you say to me, oh, God's really working on someone's life, immediately I have an image of what that looks like. And normally it's somebody who's really extrovert and it's kind of like, wow, and it's all out there and it's all noisy and it's all like really visible. Come on. I think most of us, if we're really honest, that's what we think. Or we're looking for the miraculous in some really dramatic way. And do you know, as this season of prayer that we were in just began to like unfold, Probably about four or five weeks in, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, open your eyes, Sarah. Just look at what I'm doing. And I was like, God, I can't see it. I can't see it. And and then slowly I began to see. It wasn't in the dramatic. But I'm telling you, as true as I stand here, that there's people that I I could name before you today who I know God is touched by the power of the Holy Spirit and they're not the same because of our season of prayer. If I, if I showed them to you, you'd go, where is it? <laughs> like you wouldn't see it. Even if I took the time to tell you the stories today, you'd go, is that it? I know you would, but you've got to believe me that I know the journeys that these people have come from. It's back to what you're talking about with your stories, Giles. When you know where people have come from and you see where they are now, you get so excited because you say that is undeniably a work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And I think so often we don't see it because we're tripping ourselves up over wanting something that we think it should be and we're not seeing what God's doing. But I also think the reverse can happen. I think some of us actually are also skipping and we're overlooking and we're tripping over the detail because God is doing some amazing stuff and we're not seeing it because we're like, no, I can't accept that. It works on both ends of the spectrum. May God give us eyes to see what he is doing. Because I'm telling you now, when the Holy Spirit empowers us, things change. Something happens. Last year, we were at camp. I know that children from this church come to, to the camp that we run in Sussex. And, and we, we do a youth week. And so we were there and during our youth week. We took a girl to that camp, and her name was Holly. Holly um, had been in the church maybe about a year. She, she'd given her life to Jesus, but she was so incredibly shy, so shy. And throughout the year, she was saying, I know I need to be baptized, but the very thought of being baptized, she she was just terrified. Even just to say the word, she'd shake. I mean, I'm really not exaggerating. And, And just literally weeks before our summer camp, she had joked with me and said, can I get baptized in your bath? Can it just be you and me, Sarah, if there's nobody else? And this is how painfully shy. She just said, I just can't do it. She came to camp with us, and that was a big step in itself. I forget which night it was, but one of the nights during camp last year, so we began to talk about the Holy Spirit. 
she didn't even have the courage to come forward, but she just put her hand up like this. Wow. Don't underestimate what goes on in people's lives. Don't judge. Don't, don't, don't think, oh, if they were really serious, they'd be down the front. You don't know anything. Seriously. We've just got to cheer one another on and champion one another on. Sometimes there's more significance in that than you would ever know. And this beautiful girl was sitting right at the back. She just put her hand up. And, and I was at the front. I was just like, Holy Spirit, would you just come and feel these people? Nothing dramatic happened. I didn't, you know, she didn't fall over. There was no visible kind of like, you'd be like, oh, what's going on? The very next day, the very next day at breakfast time, she came to me and she said, Sarah, I want to be baptised. I said, what, in my bath? She went, no. We'll do it. We'll do it at church. Because I'm a gentle pastor, <laughs> I wanted to save her from having to say anything in the microphone. So I was like, you don't have to say anything. Oh, I want to, she said. Oh, I want to. Last September, we baptised her. She now sings in our worship band. There's no stopping her. It's a visible sign of the work of the Holy Spirit. It's tangible. It's visible. Something happens when the Holy Spirit touches your life. And so often we're so busy looking for the dramatic that we don't see it when it's right in front of our eyes. The Holy Spirit wants to empower you to change your life. Something will happen. Some of us have been Christians for so long and maybe this morning I just want to stir you again to say start believing for something to happen. Start expecting the tangible, visible evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in your life and at work in the lives of those around you. Next time you pray for people, expect there to be something visible, something happening. But don't go with your expectations because we need to have the attitude that Luke had where he just says it was like this. Do you know, it actually doesn't matter what it was like. That's so irrelevant. What matters is that something happens. Is anyone hearing me this morning? Something happens. This morning I want to remind you that that's the most important thing. The detail is irrelevant, but something happens. The last thought that I want to throw out this morning is actually a couple of pages over. And it's in Acts chapter 6. <laughs> Literally was just two weeks ago when I sat reading this first part of Acts. I didn't know what series you were looking at as a church. I've already said that, but I was just grateful that it tied in. And I was reading, and it was just part of my regular devotionals. And I got up to chapter 6, and, and if I'm honest with you, I was a bit worn out. <laughs> I found myself like those, those, seriously, the first few chapters, it's all happening. I mean, it's, it's like it's all happening. There's even somebody dropping down dead in church. I mean, it's all happening. It's all going on. It's crazy. What a read. And I'm reading it all, and every now and again I'm kind of pausing and going, oh man, what would it have been like? Imagine if that was happening today. And, and like, you know, there's just all this stuff, there's healings going on, there's people coming out of being set free from prison, and, and, and there's the boldness as they're preaching, and it's just, it's all kicking off. It's all kicking off. It's just incredible stuff, the work of the Holy Spirit. And then I got to chapter 6, and in my kind of breathing I read this, but as the believers rapidly multiplied... There were rumblings of discontent. <laughs> I'm going to tell you it as honestly as I read it that day at home in Folkestone. I just went, God, that encourages me so much. <laughs> because it tells me that even in the tough stuff, you're still there. <laughs> so that's my final point for you today. That even in the tough stuff... God is still there. 
You see, I was reading one to six, and, and if I'm really honest, as a local church leader, I was beginning to feel a little bit insecure. I was reading it all and thinking, oh, I've, I've not really experienced a lot of this, and, and I was starting to do that whole comparison thing. I know none of you ever do that, but I do it, you know? I was doing that whole comparison thing, and I was like, oh, how come? Like, why is it that they saw stuff and I'm not seeing stuff? Do you know that's good questions to ask, and we need to keep asking those questions. But I was kind of feeling myself shrinking a little bit, and then I got to chapter 6 and it was as if the Holy Spirit just injected me with encouragement and just said it's okay even in the tough stuff I'm still there even in the tough stuff you see I know that your church is perfect I know that but but you see the reality is my church isn't my church isn't <laughs> and this church wasn't either I mean, these rumblings of discontent, I mean, I could, this is a whole teaching session in itself, but I mean, this, this was serious stuff going on. This is cultural, this is all racism going on here. I mean, it's, it's, it's ugly. It's proper ugly. Yet here's what I want to suggest to you, that even in the ugliness and even in the tough stuff, God hadn't left the building. God was still there. And in the tough stuff of your life and in the ugliness of your life, God has not left the building. He's as real in chapter 6 as he is in chapter 1. He's, he's, he's as real in chapter 6 as he is in all, the, in all the miracles that are going on. He's as real in chapter 6 as he is in all the spectacular. You see, we all love the spectacular. You know, we, we all want that. We all want to be the church where all the spectacular is happening. But what, about, what if you happen to be the church where there's rumblings of discontent? The Holy Spirit can be right there in the center of it, helping you and navigating and bringing peace and order once again. Even in the tough stuff, he is still there. The sad thing is, it's that so many of us, and I include myself in this, I think we've, we've grown up in a culture that can almost make us think like, like the blessing that we have on a Sunday, or we go to a conference and it's all amazing, and then as soon as something goes wrong, oh, God's left me. I mean, how many of us have said that? How many of us have had an amazing experience, and it's like, wow, God, I really felt your presence, and you spoke to me, and that was just like, wow. We might call that a mountaintop experience. I don't know what words you want to put to it, but you know what I'm talking about, a moment where you're just like, maybe it was this morning. Maybe just this morning in worship, you're like, God, I can feel you. And, uh, but the reality is, by 3 o'clock this afternoon, you'll be screaming at your kids and screaming at everyone in your house, and it'll all be going wrong, and the dinner will be burnt, and, and you know the kind of stuff as it pans out. God is as real at three o'clock this afternoon as he is right now as we're in worship. And he wants to fill you and empower you with his spirit to help you deal with that stuff. He wants to help you navigate the tough stuff of life. He wants to give you wisdom. The Holy Spirit is not just for us to get a good feeling in a meeting. The Holy Spirit is to empower us to live life well. It's Acts chapter 6, verse 1. That's what the Holy Spirit's for. What do we do when there's rumblings of discontent? Maybe that's what you're facing at home right now. Maybe in your home life there's rumblings of discontent and you're here this morning going, God, I do not know how to face that. I want to pray for you because the Holy Spirit wants to empower you to deal with the discontent at home. Maybe there's discontent going on at work. Maybe it's within your mind and your emotions. Maybe at the minute there's just rumblings of discontent and you feel so disjointed in everything. Holy Spirit wants to come and empower you to deal with that stuff. 
The Holy Spirit wants to fill you again afresh this morning to say, I'm here for the Acts 6 verse 1 stuff, not just the Acts 2 where it all seems to be incredible. Will you invite me in? Will you let me come and invade your life for the Acts 6 verse 1 stuff that you're facing right now? God has not left the building. God has not left you. So I was driving here today, I was like, Lord, what do people need to hear in Tunbridge Wells? If you hear nothing else today but that God has not left you, that's enough. He has not left you, friends. He's with you. And it's the enemy that comes along and says, well, where's your God now? Don't you see that in Scripture enough? (laughs) Well, where's your God now? I mean, didn't Jesus face that very accusation? Well, where is he now? If you really are who you say you are, God, I thank you. You have not left me. You're as real in the tough stuff as you are in the seemingly amazing stuff. You're as real when I feel you as when I don't feel you. God, you're with me. God, you're with me. Jesus said, I don't, I'm not going to leave you alone. I know it's hard to follow me, so I'm not going to leave you alone, but I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the one who's going to come and empower you and equip you and help you. I just wonder this morning, are you like me that you would just say, oh God, I need you. God, I need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Where does it start? It starts by doing what you've done this morning, by gathering together. It doesn't have to be here, it can be on your own, it can be at home, it can be anywhere. But, but don't neglect meeting together, friends. It starts out of obedience. God, I'll just take baby steps in doing the things you've told me to do, and as I do that, I'm going to trust you for the rest. It starts with you recognising that God wants to do something in you. It starts with you saying, God, come and invade the tough stuff. Come and help me. Let's just be quiet for a moment. I've thrown out a few thoughts. That's all they are, really. A few thoughts. And now I've got to trust the Holy Spirit that the things that I've said will be helpful to some of you today. That's not my job. That's just his job. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Holy Spirit. If something, just something that I've shared this morning... Or just something that the Holy Spirit's saying to you. You know, it might not have even been anything I've said, but from the minute you walked in the door this morning, you know the Holy Spirit's been talking to you about something. Would you have the courage just to stand to your feet? And the reason you're going to be standing is for you to say, I'm hearing. It's a way of responding to him. That's all it is.
it's your way of going, I'm hearing you. And it doesn't matter what it's about, it's just your way of going, I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. Just where you're standing, just begin to tell him, I'm hearing you. God, I'm hearing you. Oh, God. God is not a cruel God. He has not taken you into a maze to confuse you. His plans are, his plans are clear. His spirit gives us a sound mind. And I, I just want to pray for anyone this morning that is just feeling so confused. It's like you're in a maze. I just keep getting a picture of a maze. You just feel like you're in a maze of confusion. And the Holy Spirit wants to say to you today that, that enough is enough. God is a God of order and he brings a sound mind. Is there anyone this morning, just, just as soon as I said the word maze, you're like, that's me. Just, just put your hand up. Yeah, okay, that's a few of you. Okay, I've just got such a clear picture of that. Father, I pray right now for those people that just feel like they're in a maze and they just can't find the way out and it's beginning to create anxiety and panic in them because they just can't, they can't find answers. They don't know what to do. Father, I pray right now that you would set them free right now in this place. Lord, may, may this come to an end today. I rebuke a spirit of confusion and I thank you, God, that you said I have not given you a spirit of fear but a spirit of love, of power and of a sound mind. And so for those people that have responded to feeling like they're in a maze, I pray, oh God, that today clarity would come, soundness of mind would come, peace of heart would come, and the love of the Father would come and set them free to bring order where there's been chaos and confusion. Oh, Father. Father. Father, I pray for everyone that has stood to their feet right now. Would you come today and fill them, empower them with your Holy Spirit to do the things you've told them to do. I pray that as we leave this place, that God, we would continue to talk to you every moment of every day. That we would continue to live in your presence and know the reality of your presence. Father, we wouldn't try and do life on our own, but that, God, every day we would know that you have given us the Holy Spirit to help us and to empower us and to equip us. You knew we'd struggle on our own, and so you sent a helper. And today we welcome the helper. We welcome the Holy Spirit. We say, Holy Spirit, breathe among us. Breathe your life into us. Bring healing where there's sickness in our body and sickness in our mind and our hearts. Bring healing to our bodies today. Come and restore relationships that are broken. Father, where there's rumblings of discontent, breathe your order, we pray. Bring wisdom, bring discernment. Bring skillfulness into situations that need to be untangled and resolved. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. Would you just say those words with me? Holy Spirit, I need you. Come on, tell him. Holy Spirit, I can't do this without you. Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. 
I rely on you and your power at work in my life. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thank you.